0: i talk show recorded live. Good evening, everybody. This is Brandon Pemberton with my co-host, Ant Green. And tonight we are on live sports Crab radio on NGFTSports.com via the War Room Podcast Network and Talk Shoe. Got a big time show for y'all tonight. To start off the show, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, our show is based out of Philadelphia. Me and Anthony are both Philadelphia guys born and bred. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and the reports that have surfaced over the last week that, you know, with Chip Kelly in charge, you know, things are looking toward them going all in on Marcus Mariota and, you know, taking – the 30-plus million dollars that they have in free agency and going big in free agency. At 7 o'clock, my boy Scott Karasik, Bleak report NFL draft and Atlanta Falcons writer is joining us at 7 o'clock. We're going to come on. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. We're going to talk about the Falcons franchise and stuff like that. You know, after that, we're going to go around the NFL. The franchise tags have been put on, you know, players around the league. Dez Bryant, Justin Houston, Jason Pierre-Paul, the, um, Demarius Thomas. We're going to talk about that. The Cleveland Browns went out. They signed Josh McCown, and they basically – he expects to be the starter next year, so we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to go around the NBA, talk about that a little bit, and, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies. Vegas predicted the Phillies to win 68-and-a-half games this year. Um, for the past couple years, Ruben Amaro, Jr., has done nothing but ruin this um, baseball team. So we're going to talk about what are our expectations for the Philadelphia Phillies this year. Chase Utley, I found out today, sprained his ankle at some time in January, early January, and Chase Utley was unable to play any spring training games and get any game time in thus far. Yeah, the season is a month away. But still, in baseball, a sport in which there's a, a lot of timing involved, you know, you want your players out there. But the Phillies wouldn't be going through this if they traded Chase Utley two years ago when the Detroit Tigers wanted them. But, hey, it is what it is. Ant Green, what's going on, bro? Man, nothing, man. You know, for, for everybody on the uh, East Coast that's listening to the show, like we was just talking about this crazy weather, but out, outside of that, it's so much going on in the sports world, like you, you know, like you had hinted at before, and um, it's like right off the bat when we hear these talks about us going the the Philadelphia Eagles going through free agency and trying to build their team that way, just to get Marcus Mariota, and 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 I'm and I'm gonna tell you like this, I've convinced myself that Marcus Mariota. Is about two or three years away from you even seeing if he can play quarterback in the NFL, and I just I just hope that Chip Kelly is right, or that the reports are wrong, and that we won't move. If we do move up, it's you know it's to get um it's to get a top cornerback or a a top outside linebacker. I just I from what I've seen. I just don't see what other people are talking about with Marcus Mariota. And I get it and, and I guess it's just one of those things where it's like, Well maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something and maybe you know the other guys, you know, I lean on you and other guys that know about this whole thing and of course I'll ask Scott about it as well when he come on at uh at seven. But it's just it's just crazy to me that, you know, i I just don't I just don't see this working. I just don't see it working. I am I am against it, and I am pro. I, I, and I think that the biggest reason why I'm against it is because I'm pro Nick Foles. Like, how many teams got Pro Bowl quarterbacks that they trying to get off of their roster? Uh, I mean, look, I said this before. If this was heading into Chip Kelly's first year, I, I even though I'm not that big of a manual defense. Like honestly, Perry, like for real, I could you could convince me a bit more if it was heading into his first year. All right. Year one, they signed him for five years. He gonna get his guy that he recruited. You know what I mean? And, you know, okay, I can buy it a little bit then, but right now I cannot buy it because I just know how championship teams are built. And championship teams are built via the draft. They're not built, you know, through – I mean, you look at history in any situation in which any team has given up, you know, multiple draft picks, a lot of high draft picks over a period of time, and team what's happened. We've seen it happen with the Vikings and Herschel Walker. The Cowboys won three Super Bowls. We've seen what happened with the Saints when they gave up their drafts for Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams had a, over 10,000 yards in his career, but that didn't work out great for the Saints. You look at the Washington Redskins. And I think in RG3, the book is still out on him. But, I, I mean, when you give up that amount of players, in the NFL it's a seven-round draft. It's a 53-man roster. One player – isn't going to win you a Super Bowl. You need more than one guy. And for Chip Kelly to feel as though that – I mean, if it's true, if he feels as though that – and he's in charge, and that's the that's the bigger problem, and it's the exact reason why he made the power play, because I talk to, I'm telling you, point blank, period. Whether people like what I say or they want to believe it or not, if Chip Kelly – isn't if he doesn't get Mariota in this this year's draft, and by year four they're not winning, he's going to quit and he's going back to college where he can get all the best players. It's easier for him to pick players. That's that's point blank. Period. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. So why would you though? Like, here here's my thing. <laughs> Outside of that. That, that fire to just be a competitor and see how good you can be, what would be the reason for Chip Kelly to st- to stick around and, and stay with the Eagles? You know, why, why would he feel like he needs to stick around and prove something to the guys in the NFL when he can go back to college and he can have, you know, you got 100 guys on that Oregon team, you probably got about 20, 30 pros on that team. And if you got twenty or thirty pros on the Oregon team, guess what? Ain't no or or wherever he ends up at, ain't no other ain't no other school in the conference gonna have it unless you're in the SEC, and that's pretty much it. But you know, it's one of those things where it's hard for me because I like Chip Telly. You know, I want my coach to be like he. I want my coach to be like he is. Like you know, he, he he don't have a big family. You know, he football all the time. You know, he's an innovator. You know, he thinks outside the box. And those things I do like. But with a guy like that, I feel like you need a a, a strong-minded person on the other side of that that's more reasonable, that can, you know, kind of veto some of the things that he want to do. Because I, I look at, like, like, I don't know who drafted Marcus Smith. And and they can put it on whoever they want to put it on. Oh, ho oh, How about but, this? Not to cut you off. The Eagles mm-hmm. have just are are according to Adam Schefter, the Eagles are trading Shady McCoy to the Buffalo Bills for Kiko Alonzo, who was a player under Chip Kelly, um, coming off an ACL injury. He had a great rookie year. Kiko Alonso actually. His rookie year turned out a lot better than I thought because coming out of college, I didn't like him. He had a decent rookie year, but he's coming off an injury. He is an inside linebacker. The Eagles do need that position, but the Eagles, are have, according to Adam Schefter, the Eagles have traded Sean McCoy to the Buffalo Bills. And also, on top of that, the Eagles also have cut Trent Cole. Yo, what is this, man? Like, come on, man. Like, listen. Now, I'm going to tell you like this, though. In Chip Kelly's offense, when we watched Shady McCoy, at times, it looked like he didn't want to get to the places that he needed to get to. But I just don't think that there's a bunch of Shady McCoys in the NFL. Now, they could – now, the, the whole – what a running back is has diminished immensely over the last seven or eight years. So, that's not I, – I like that they got an outside linebacker, but this just concerns me more about their – about Chip Kelly's plan to try to move up to get Marcus Mariota. But, I, but, but listen, this is, this is what I'm saying. Everybody thinks that, oh, Chip Kelly is going up to get Marcus Mariota. Chip Kelly, one thing he is is he's smart, and he's been in the NFL game, and now that he's seen it, maybe he realized how important his defense is to winning. So training an offensive player for a defensive player could be a a good sign. I mean, if you like Chip Kelly, you're looking at this and saying that. If you don't like Chip Kelly... You're looking at this and saying, hold on, in two years you lose Deshaun Jackson and Deshaun McCoy? I mean, I mean, the running back position in the NFL, I mean, and Shady was good the first year under Chip Kelly. Last year, for whatever reason, he did, and I admittedly, he did not run the same. A lot of people tried to make excuses about the offensive line. Shady McCoy didn't run north and south as much as he should have um, Mm -mm. last year. I mean, that's point blank, period. If Kiko Alonzo wasn't coming off of this injury and he had a a great second year, I mean, I would be more okay with it. The whole thing is, is Kiko Alonzo going to be 100% and ready to go um, when mini camp and training camp start? Because the thing I don't want to hear is, oh, he slowed up by injury. And, I mean, that may have been a reason why they went and picked up Brad Jones yesterday, who who stinks. I mean, the, the whole dinner four until Alonzo is healthy, and, I mean, he does play special teams as well. But, I mean, the Eagles, Chip Kelly is in charge. They, tr- they cut Todd Harriman. They cut James Casey. Today they cut Kerry Williams. They cut Trent Cole. And now they traded Shady McCoy to the Buffalo Bills. For Kiko Alonzo. so I mean Chip Kelly has his hands on his team. He has full say. He's in charge, and it's no telling what the hell is going to happen from here. No, listen, you. I meant you really don't. You really don't know. And 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 you know, Chip Chip Kelly is a college guy, and I don't believe I, I can't recall a guy coming from college having so much power, you know, of an organization. But if you pay Chip Kelly what you pay Chip Kelly, then you absolutely need to see what he can do. And you have to let him do whatever it is that he wants. Now, this this thing may explode, but you don't get a guy like Chip Kelly and then say, we just want you to coach the team. We'll get all the players. We'll get all that. We just want you to coach those guys. So that part of it, that part of it, I understand. Trading, I, I mean, see the running like, and, and I like Shady. I like Shady, but running backs are not as important as they once were, and especially when there's running backs like, like Adrian Peterson saying that he don't want to go back to the Vikings and Murray as a free agent. There's other guys that you could get to replace them if you felt the need to. Yeah, I mean, also this this year's draft, so far from the groups that I've, you know, got finished going through, the running back position may be the best the best in this draft. I mean, I've gotten through the offensive line, the defensive line, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, running backs, and I'm, you know, in the middle of the inside linebackers. To this point, if I, to be quite honest, the running back position, I, I've got 12 running backs with at least a fourth-round grade so far. The running back position is the one position in the NFL in which you can get a rookie and he can come in year one and make an impact. And there's running backs out there that can be drafted, that the Eagles can come in, you know, that can come in and play for the Eagles and make an impact this year. So the thing about the running back position, and specifically with Shane McCoy, and I've talked about this before, Shane McCoy, like, with running backs, you don't know when when they're going to go. And Shady McCoy mm-hmm. compared, compared to, like, Emmitt Smith. Like, Emmitt Smith's running style wasn't like Shady, so Emmitt Smith could play longer. Jerome Bettis could play longer because they their style of running wasn't based upon, you know, making people miss and going lateral. Right. If minute Shady McCoy loses that, he's not going to be able to play anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's... And that's why, like while we're talking about it, it's the, the the trade. It makes more sense to it makes more sense to me because guess what? Next year you're not gonna get nothing for shady, you know. Next year you won't you wouldn't be able to get nothing for him. So to get something for him before you don't get nothing for him, that make you know that that makes sense. And I I, I guess. Like the more we talk about it, the more I lean towards. Guess what? For me, it really comes down to if we get Maxwell, if we in the bid for McCordy, and what happens on draft day. Like that—that's the I, I in that order. Those are the things that'll give me a a better sense of how I feel about where Chip Kelly is trying to take this team, and also if he is trying to. Win fast and then get out of here, or see if he could win fast and then get out of here. yeah, I mean, look it's, it's he got he he heading in the year three of a five year deal. he's halfway through his contract, so in his mind, and it's blatantly obvious to me, he has to start doing something. And that's the reason why he went and said, look, if you're going to keep me around, if you're going to keep me around because I can easily go take the Florida job, and Florida would have loved to have Chip Kelly there. Chip Kelly had all of the muscle in this situation. If you're going to keep me around because any team that needs a football coach in college would gladly take me, and the big schools would pay me $10 million. They'd pay me more than what you're paying me now. Chip Kelly had to put himself in this position. The question is, does he know what he's doing, or is it going to work? But I can't blame him for, for saying, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this my way, and if I fail after the fourth year, I'll bounce back and go back to college, and I'll get paid $10 million a year, and I'll be able to recruit all the players, the best athletes in the country um, that like to play my style of offense, and I'll be able to win 10, 11 games a year. Oh listen, absolutely. If any if you if you're asking anybody, you going to it if you're going to a new job, guess what? If, if, if those demands can be met, that's exactly what you're gonna do. You're gonna say, listen, give me all power because before you fire well, before you fire me, I wanna go down the way I intended to do the job. I wanna see if it's going to work or not work. I think that this is the way that you do it. Now, can he do it? That's what the question is. But to me, to trade Shady McCoy, and I really only have one problem with Chip Kelly. It's not getting nothing for Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. I just, that, that, now, listen, first of all, I think if we get something for Deshaun Jackson, whether it's another wide receiver or a draft pick, we make the playoffs. Or we're in a better position to make the playoffs this year with that draft pick that we got.
1: But yeah. That
0: was a mistake. I feel like that was a I felt like that was a mistake. But outside I mean, outside of that, you know, the offense has run fairly well given, you know, how the quarterback play was this year and, and what he did with Nick Foles last year, you know, so the the offense the, the offense it looks like it worked good enough to win, but when you got corners like you got, which they already cut. It, it, to me, it says, all right, cool. He's not Andy Reid. And right now, for, for, for me, most of the football that I really, really watched, it was under the watch of Andy Reid. And, I mean, it, there are some things that Andy would do over and over and over again. I feel like with Chip, at least what you're seeing is him figuring it out. And that's I, I, that's the hard part about Hiring a guy who's never done it before because you, you you're actually watching him develop right in front of your eyes and you can't really judge what it is until certain points of the year. Like right now with this Shady McCoy, I think most guys will say, "All right, we understand." Plus, Shady going to Buffalo, it ain't like he going to the Redskins like the Sean did, you know. And we getting a an a, a, a inside linebacker. If he, if he is if he can be healthy, who has proven to be a really good player, which is a a, a position of need, especially with a guy like Danico Ryan's coming back and being older, so those yeah these things are logical, you know these these, these that move the 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 shady deal is logical, the Sean Jackson I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was going on. I heard something about games. I heard something about him not being a team. I heard all these things. And then when it came to it, he said it was a football decision. Well, it couldn't have been a football decision because then you put Riley Cooper out there. That's yeah, I mean, the wrong decision. If, that's the wrong decision. Yeah, if you telling me that, that, that it's a football decision, that's the reason why you cut the sewing, then it's a bad football decision. I question your football IQ and your football logic, if, if that's the reason why you cut him. I mean, and it was proven last year that without Sean Jackson, Raleigh Cooper was the pedestrian that he was prior to last season. You know what I mean? He was just another guy. And yeah. on top of that, Jeremy Macklin wasn't franchised. Jeremy Macklin is going to hit the open market. And Jeremy Macklin is in a position, him and Randall Cobb are both in a position to cash in big time because there isn't a lot of wide receivers out there. Like, we see teams are going to be willing to overpay or pay top dollar to a wide receiver, it's a chance that next year the Eagles starting wide receivers could be Jordan Matthews, Huff, and Riley Cooper. And that's a problem. Listen, I'm gonna tell you like this: there has to be a couple more moves made, and I and I like and I like Jeremy Macklin. I would love to get him back. I I wouldn't love to get him back if you gotta pain like the top wide receivers in the league. You know, if you if you can give him a little bit uh, a a little bit more, then you know that 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 second tier of good wide receivers. And I'm okay with that, but I don't I don't want to pay Jeremy Macklin like you would have to pay Des Bryant. You know, like I don't want to compare like I don't want to compare the two. I don't want that kind of contract. And that I mean, this is all part of it. And 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 what I, from what I'm hearing from guys, um, Ty Herman has even said that. You know, they asked him about Chip Kelly, and he said, "Well, you know, it's listen, it's plug and play." You know, he he. Chip Kelly really believes that you can just put guys in there if they can perform, then they can. But to me, it shouldn't take long for you to see that. Look at look at having Mark Sanchez and Nick, the, the Nick Foles out there. It's a, you know it's a totally different offense, it, it, and and people got to remember that Nick Foles didn't play behind his line. And people say, well, he still should have did this. But well, guess what? You're more comfortable with the guys that you know. That's why. It's the, same reason why, it's, it's the same reason that Chip Kelly is doing what he's doing right now. He is getting the guys that he thinks he can win with. And now I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm, I, I am okay with that. You know, because like I said before, I had some, I, I was worried when he did what he did with Deshaun. But what he did with Leshaun, it's a, little, it's a lot more logical and it's a lot more meat based on what we had to do in order to be a football team that can compete at a high level. Because it wasn't our offense that killed us last year, you know. And that Dallas game, it it was like, and I hate to say it was one guy, but it was really one guy getting beat all the time on the same play. So when you had that, it's like, all right, well, if we get the defense situated, then we'll see. Yeah, I mean, look. Kiko Alonzo is a hundred percent you got two inside linebackers and in Alonzo and Michael Kendricks that both can run both can make plays in space cover you know make you know is comfortable in pass coverage, which is very important in today's n f l and both of them can play the run and Kiko Alonzo was a bigger linebacker than Michael Kendricks you know. That's what you need. I mean, and you still got D'Amico Ryans in the fold unless they plan on on cutting him, which I wouldn't, you know. And, I mean, he's coming off a big-time injury as well. So, I mean, look, the Eagles added two inside linebackers to the fold. They added Brad Jones, a guy, you know, that's going to play special teams that may be able to play. You know, he's not going to be a great player, he may be able to come in and play the run a little bit, which he does do. That's what he does the best out of anything. Brad Jones can't cover; he can't run that well. If Alonzo was healthy and he was a defensive, some outlets, media outlets, picked him as the defensive rookie of the year his rookie year. If Alonzo was healthy, I'm perfectly fine with. It. I'm perfectly fine with it because the Eagles needed an inside linebacker. Point blank period. I'm okay with it. Now they don't have to draft the inside linebacker or they don't have to go through free agency to get the inside linebacker. That position is, is settled right now. The question is now, Randy Graham's a free agent. They traded Trent Cole. I mean, they cut Trent Cole. You got Marcus Smith. The question is, am I paying? if they don't bring Brandon Graham back, which is highly unlikely because he's going to get a decent amount of money. They tried to work out a revised deal with Cole. That didn't work out. They must be sold on Marcus Smith coming in and being a right outside linebacker next year. Well, guess what? He better be. He better be. And and this is one of those things where you're not going to see if Marcus Smith can play until you see Marcus Smith play. Like, I, like, the one thing that I didn't understand last year, there were two things that I didn't like at the end of the year, the fact that Marcus Smith didn't play and the fact that um, Matt Barkley didn't play. And I'm telling you from personal experience, I don't care what guys look like in practice. Until you put them in the game and you give them a chance to get their feet wet, you don't know what you have in guys. I don't care. I don't care. I, listen, you can watch as much tape as you want, man. You can watch as much tape as you want. If you've never seen that guy with his feet to the fire, having to do it, I just don't think you get a feel for what kind of guy he is, regardless of who it is. And, and, and that's just that's just my opinion. We had this we had this debate years ago about Tim Tebow, and we talked about it. Like, listen, Tebow, Tebow. Wasn't an NFL quarterback, not not because oh, well you needed the system around him. Well, it was because he ain't listen. He wasn't accurate enough. He couldn't throw the ball to open guys. You know, but you get that same, you get that, you get that same system, and then you get a you you get a you get a guy like Colin Kaepernick who got accuracy issues, but you put an offense around him that assists him in doing that. Then you got, then you got a guy. You like, well, guess what? If I would have put him in a regular office, he probably wouldn't be starting in the NFL now. But now I think mean, Kaepernick is one of the higher play quarterbacks in the league, and and that was my issue with the team last year. It was just like, man, you gotta let these young guys play and see if they can play, especially when you know you're not making the playoffs. Yeah, I man. At the end of the season, you take Marcus Smith, you put him out there, let him play. Matt Barkley, you drafted him. Where you drafting them, put them out there, and you know, and let the guy play. I mean, I, that's just how I feel about the whole situation. Uh, I mean, look, we're gonna see how it all plays out. Marcus Smith, right now, from what is looking like to me, is going to be your right outside starting linebacker. I did see a report last week that the Eagles were interested in Jason Worlds, um, outside linebacker from the Steelers. But right now, you, you look at it outside, right outside linebacker. They took care of inside linebacker, in their opinion. They don't have any starting cornerbacks right now. So are you going to get one starting cornerback via the draft and, you know, go for the free agent route? Are you willing to pay Byron Maxwell what he wants? Or, you know, would you go with – Antonio Cromarty on a one- or two-year deal? Or would you go Brandon Flowers on a um, you know one- or two-year deal? The Eagles, regardless of however they do it, they have to get two starting corners that can play press man coverage and get the job done. That's I mean, it has to get done. And if they can upgrade free safety somehow, then they can do that as well. But Jason McCourty is... Devin McCourty, whichever McCourty it is, he's uh, the best. Oh, Devin. In, like, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Wh- whichever, Devin McCourty is the only safety on a market this year that's really good, and it's going to be impossible for the Eagles to go like Devin McCourty and Byron Maxwell. Like, you can't get both, so you got to pick and choose which one you, you want to get. Which one would you take if you could only have one? I, I mean, I think McCoy, I like Maxwell a lot. If the Eagles could, if the Eagles decide to go Cromarty and and McCordy, I would be okay with that because pro they back. they're both been Pro Bowlers. They're both guys that can really play, legitimately play. Devin McCordy is exactly what the Eagles need at free safety. He used to be a cornerback. He transitioned to safety. He got man-to-man cover skills, and he's a legit center fielder with ball skills. And he tackles. He's always around the football. He sees the field very well. The Eagles would—it would be a, a instant upgrade if the Eagles were able to get Cromarty and um, Devin McCourty. Yeah, I, I mean, and and that's like like I said before. With Chip Kelly, um, he's already, like, fixed one, one problem that I thought he made last year with not getting nothing for Deshaun, this year getting something for Deshaun. And to me, I've got to know what happens in the next couple of days with free agency. That is it. Yeah, I mean, free agency starts on March 10th. We are a week away from the opening of free agency. So, I mean, right now, teams is talking to agents and stuff like that. I mean, you know, the talking is, is happening right now as far as as far as free agency. But, you know, the 10th, we're going to see what the Eagles are going to do. Right now, on the line, Bleacher Report, NFL drafting, Atlanta Falcons writer Scott Karasik is on the line with Ant Green, Brandon Pemberton on Sports Trap Radio. Scott, what's going on, bro?
2: What's up, guys?
0: Nothing much, nothing much. Thanks for joining us on the show tonight. Um, Your thoughts real quick, because we had some news break, and, you know, our show is based out here in Philadelphia. Adam Schefter reported that the Eagles traded Shady McCoy to the Buffalo Bills to Kiko Alonso. What's your thoughts on that deal?
2: Could Rex Ryan bend over any farther for Chip Kelly?
0: <laughs> I mean, look, Eagles fans here, you may be upset about it um, because you know Shady is out of here. I mean, he's been a fan favorite here. Um, many of the Eagles fans probably don't know what kind of year Kiko Alonso had his rookie year before he got hurt just talk about what kind of linebacker he is and what the Eagles are getting.
2: The Eagles are getting the linebacker that they thought D'Amico Ryans was when they traded for him. I mean, that, that's the best way to put it. Don't get me wrong, D'Amico's been solid, but he hasn't been the guy he was in uh, in Houston. Kiko, right now, is exactly the guy that... Um, he's exactly what D'Amico Ryans was in Houston. Thank hey good inside linebacker who understands how to play multiple different roles, great in coverage, can blitz, can get out to the quarterback, plays the run effectively. He understands his gap control, but he's not a good he's not a good like sh- stack and shed kind of linebacker. You want to give him some protection, and they've got that in Philly. They've got that with their guys.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was telling Ann Green, you know, before you had came on that, you know, a lot of fans here probably won't like the trade. Um, but Keiko Alonso, you know, his rookie year, he played a lot better than I thought he would play, and I definitely agree with you. Having him and Michael Kendricks, two athletic guys that are three-down linebackers, is an instant upgrade. And the Eagles did need a, a inside linebacker, especially after Domingo Ryans towards the again.
2: Yeah, I mean, if it, it, I mean with Demikah Ryan staring out Achilles again, you might as well—you needed somebody. You absolutely needed somebody.
0: Okay, all right,
2: and let's get into the questions
0: that you had for Scott. Yeah, let's let let's start right away. Let me shoot them at you, Scott. The the first question, of course, is about the quarterback position, and um, I guess it's a two part question. You know, what which one of the two guys do you like out of? Mariota and Jameis Winston, and would you would you do what most people are suggesting that Chip Kelly is trying to do to go up and get Marcus Mariota? For Mariota,
2: yeah. For Jameis Winston, no. Um, just because Mariota is a way better fit for his offense, and he's the kind of personality that uh, – Kelly once on the seat on his uh, team and having Marietta lead the offense, Alonso lead that defense, that'd be perfect for him. As far as Winston, for Philly I wouldn't trade up, but if I was a team like I don't know, the Rams, I would trade up for. Him. Oh, okay. And who like, if you had to pick one, who would you say is the better quarterback? I think Winston's a better quarterback, but his off field scares the fool out of him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah, I, I, and that's one of the things that I, you know,
0: that I hear, you know, and it's like the reports are once you get in front of Jameis Winston, he's so charming, he demands the room and things of that nature. Um, it Like, is it just that you just don't want to take a chance on that guy? Because, see, to me, if you have a top pick and you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback that is going to be able to play, and it's and I guess it's like, well, will he be able to make the decisions off the field? And we, I mean, we see it now with with um with Johnny Football, you know, with with him having those issues that people kind of ignore, and now they at, at, at that point, do you? Is there any feel for 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 Jameson being able to change and mature into? Uh, 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 a great NFL person?
2: I mean, I don't know if there is. I mean, there's a chance that he can change and mature and stop being an idiot and just completely be that guy that everybody wants him to be. But it only really matters if one team wants to take him, and that one team is Tampa Bay. And I think they're going to take him number one overall. And there's really nothing anybody's going to do about it. So you think, so at,
0: at this point now you feel as though that the Bucks will take Winston.
2: I don't even think there's a question. Lovey Smith is Lovey Smith is kind of an idiot, and he loves taking guys that he probably shouldn't take in the draft, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I do think that Dirk Cutter is going to enjoy having a quarterback. Like Winston though, because Winston's very good at pretty much everything you need a quarterback to be good at. Okay, now, and what's the next question you
0: have for him? Oh well, the the next question, you know, what I'm saying, and all and all of my questions, Scott, be based on the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know, um, you know, looking at your draft rankings of the the top three or four cornerbacks in this year's draft. I, I wanted to know, you know, why why you why you had them listed that way, and also, is it is there a big difference where the Eagles would have to move up to get a starting quarterback for next season?
2: I mean, honestly, the Eagles are probably fine the way they are um, in terms of what like, the, uh if they want to be a top twenty and get a quarterback in the top twenty, or not quarterback cornerback in the top twenty. They can do it easily. Um, I don't think it's a particularly good cornerback class. I like Epo, but he has that injury he's coming off of. I like Trey Wayne, but he's got a couple injury concerns, and then I don't love his film. Um, Josh Shaw is probably the best cornerback in the class, but he's always going to be that idiot that fell out the window. And then Marcus Peters, he's an excellent corner if you're running that – that uh, Seattle style scheme. So if you want big corners, this is the year to do it. But I think Philly probably be better off taking one in the second than wait than taking one in the first, and then spend some money on on Byron Maxwell and you're good to go.
0: Now, with the Eagles style of play, with them playing, you know press man, you know a lot of single high safety. If you any of these corners in the draft class right now, which one of these guys you feel that would be a, a fit for what the Eagles like to do?
2: If you're looking for a single high, you need to get Eric Rowe, Darren Smith, or Gerard Hollins. Um Those are the three top single high guys. If I had to pick one myself, I'd pick Eric Rowe because he reminds me so much of Eric Weddle. Um, and he could cover that single high very easily. And then if you guys end up switching the scheme around a little bit, you wouldn't have a problem moving him low. Uh, the only other guy that I really like for that spot that high would be uh, Deron, or Darren Smith out of Fresno State, but even then he's a second-round guy. And, and don't get me started on Landon Collins, because I think he should be a linebacker. He's not good in single high at all.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I had discussed that with somebody on Twitter earlier that he's exactly a box safety. And I actually agree with one of your tweets that I seen earlier today with um, the fact that you said a lot of these, you know, heavy safeties, like box guys, that you would move to a linebacker position in the NFL today. And I agree with you with the NFL being such a passing league and you need linebackers to make plays in space. You know, moving those safeties that's in that 225, 230-plus round rank that I'm on box guys will fit perfect in the NFL as linebackers.
2: Oh, yeah. You take a guy like Landon Collins and you play on a weak side linebacker in a 4-3, you'll have a guy who can be out there and look a lot like Garrett Brooks as opposed to a guy who's going to look more like, I don't know, uh, Roy Williams when he was playing for the Cowboys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's getting burned all the time. I mean, that, that's, that's the difference there. That's what it looks like to me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now
2: I guess now Scott
0: m- moving on to the Falcons. And here, you know, with, and I and I don't know why this is. You know, we got a quarterback that made it to a pro bowl, you know, got hurt, but but absolutely showed his his, his toughness behind a bad um offensive line. When you w- down there with, with Matt Ryan, you know what what is the what is the feel that people get about Matt Ryan, do they see him as a quarterback that can lead him to a championship, or do he is this still one of those things like he needs to prove it again after you know after two you know after two years of not being so
2: good? Matt Ryan wasn't the reason why the Falcons weren't good. Um, anybody who thinks wins are solely on the quarterback just doesn't understand the game of football because that's ridiculous. Um, Matt Ryan's a great quarterback. Atlanta, the Falcons think he's a top-eight player at the position. That's mm-hmm. why they pay him like one. They think that he is a top-five quarterback once Breed, Brady, and Manning retire, which wouldn't shock me. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen with them. The uh, the big thing that people don't realize about Ryan is how in-depth he is when he does his football like, play when he does his off-season study. He doesn't just study his own film. He studies every quarterback around the league, and it takes a couple to focus on, on things he needs to work on. And that's what makes him really, really good. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: yeah. I, mean, I, like, I like Matt I like, I Wait, Ryan. No, go ahead, Ann. No, I was saying, you know, I do. I, I, I like Matt Ryan, but, you know, it's just one of those things where It's just good to get a feel for, like, you know, somebody that's watching them so closely and and try to see, like, you hear them say, well, they think that Matt Ryan is, you know, a top-eight quarterback. That's why I pay him like that. And it it feels like, to me, just hearing Philly that, what's the name, just don't get no respect.
2: Nick Nick Foles? That's because Nick (coughs) Foles isn't that good. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm serious. If you put Matt Ryan in that Chip Kelly offense, he could duplicate mm-hmm. what Nick Foles did a couple of years ago. He probably have forty touchdowns, five thousand yards, have Drew Brees type numbers. That's the difference between Ryan and Foles. Ryan's a great quarterback. Foles is around where Candy Dalton is as a quarterback. Oh gosh, I don't and like that fringe starter. It, it's the truth. I don't like I mean, hearing if that. The Eagles, if the Eagles can go up and get Marcus Mariota. They could have a top ten potential quarterback, but they're not going to have one in Nick Foles. He's just not there. He won't be there for a while.
0: Well, Scott, when you watch Marcus Mariota on film, what are the strengths and weaknesses in his game that you see?
2: The the question that you have with Mariota, I'm going to get get that out the way quickly. Um, the biggest question that I have with Mariota is throwing into the traffic. He doesn't do it that often. He, he tends to hold on to the ball a little bit longer than most guys and buy his time with his feet, which is good, but in the NFL he won't be able to do it as much, so he's got to get a little quicker with his decision-making. But other than that, I mean, he's a really well-rounded quarterback, and the questioning is from scheme more than anything else. And to me, if you're a good coach, you're going to figure out how to make Marcus Marietta work in your scheme, or you're going to change your scheme to make it work for him. So, I mean... Mariota, I the big questions that I have are easily answered if you basically scheme guys open and make sure that he has guys to get out to uh make sure he has guys open to throw to based on your scheme. And you should be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest transition for any quarterback coming to NFL is what's open in college isn't open in NFL and I think for him, um, you know, more than obviously more than Jameis Winston. What what Winston was asked to do at Florida State is much differently than what Mariota was asked to do. And, I mean, Chip Kelly has had to change what he's done offensively at Oregon compared to the NFL because the windows are tighter, the cornerbacks are longer faster, the linebackers are quicker, longer, and faster, and the windows are much smaller. So I think for him, his learning curve – compared to Jameis Winston, you know, is is a lot bigger because, like you said, he wasn't asked to throw in those tight windows with anticipation. And like you said, he will hold on to the football a bit more and try to buy time with his feet. And like you said, and I agree with you, in NFL, it works sometimes, but it doesn't always work because in the NFL you got the best of the best athletes, and, you know, those guys, I mean – they keep, they kept, Colin Kaepernick was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL last year, and he probably was arguably the most athletic quarterback. But They kept Come him on. in the pocket, and, and he didn't see what was in front of him, and he got well, sacked a that's, lot. That's the one concern I got with Mariota.
2: That's the, that's the thing that I, I'm not concerned about with Mariota. Kaepernick didn't have pocket presence. Mariota has great pocket presence. Mariota has great pocket presence. He sees the field well. He can make any throw. His his anticipation is actually extremely good, and that's why his guys are open a lot of times. He'll know where the guy's supposed to be on the route. He's connected with his wide receivers. And one thing that Mariota has off the field that I really like is that he is always busting his hump to make sure he's got all his plays down. He's got that work ethic that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, you know, Andrew Luck, that these guys have to be great. He's already got a lot of talent, but he wants to be great. Uh, Michael Jordan once said, talent plus hard work equals success, and I think that's going to be Marcus Mariota in the NFL.
0: Now, do you feel – what would you feel as though would be too much for the Eagles to give up, or what would be the right – amount of picks to give up? I mean, because the Eagles got holes. And that's the the, the question here in Philadelphia. Like, the Eagles have holes all over this team, especially defensively. They cut Trent Cole. Uh, You know, they cut Todd Harriman. They need a guard. They need – I mean, they did draft Marcus Smith. We don't know if he can play it. They need two corners. They possibly need a safety. Do you feel as though giving up a lot of picks – the, that the, a lot of picks to get Mariota is the right thing to do. What what would you be willing to give up to get Marcus Mariota?
2: Well, I pray that Mariota falls to that eight to ten range, so that I can give up next year's first, this year's second, and this year's fourth. I think so that would think? be. The, I I think that would be a perfect amount to give up. You do that, you get Mariota. Yeah, you give up a second and a fourth this year, and you give up a first next year, but the Eagles have a ton of cap room. You can go out and sign a guard. You can go out and sign, you know, there's a lot of edge players in this year's class, or they could just pay Brandon Graham to replace Trent Cole. I, that's what I would personally do. Um, and then you can go out and sign. There's a couple corners out there that would be perfect for your scheme. Go out and get Byron Maxwell and play Brandon Boykin, because Brandon Boykin's excellent. And I think you'll be fine there. The issue that you have is safety. This is a deep enough safety class if you, can, you know, stick with Malcolm Jenkins as a free and then bring in a strong safety. There's a lot of solid strong safeties out there.
0: Okay. I mean, and I mean, and that's the thing, like, last year – you know, the Eagles had played Malcolm Jenkins, you know, a bit closer to the line of scrimmage, and they had played, like, Nate Allen as the single high guy, and it obviously didn't work. So if the Eagles – if the Eagles, you think if the Eagles brought in the right box safety, that Malcolm Jenkins would be fine playing center field?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, if they took Cody Pruitt in the third round, I think they'd be okay. Because Pruitt okay, now- a good box safety.
0: All right, now I'm looking at um, your big board, and I'm looking at the running back position. And, you know, when me and Ant was talking earlier and they said that the Eagles had traded Shady McCoy, I had told them at this point you know, I had gotten through, you know, the, the the O-line, D-line, the wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, um, and I'm, you know, currently on the inside linebacker as far as my body weights, and I told them arguably at this point I probably could say, so far, the running back position is the deepest um, talent wise in this year's draft. Do you agree with that?
2: If this is the best the running back position has been in probably a decade. Since that 2005 draft, where it was Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams and a couple other guys real high. I mean, this is probably the best running back class since then. If Todd Gurley is 100% healthy. That's the beast in the class. Melvin Gordon's a great running back. Mira Abdullah, just great feet, understands how to find the holes. Kevin Coleman, productive, intelligent running back. David Cobb, you're running a zone scheme, you want David Cobb. Uh, Jeremy Langford, understands how to find the holes. He's more of a man scheme kind of guy, but excellent slayer. I mean, and that's just my top six. I mean, there's another dozen guys that I would take in the top 100. And that's not even including a couple guys I'm a little low on, him. like T.J. Yeldon, not super high on him. Um, I just don't like Alabama running backs. And then, you know, uh, say John Crockett at North Dakota State. I know he's really productive, but I just don't see it with him. Yeah, obviously be be f- another one no, that I'm a little extra low on. Oh, Matt Challenge's at Florida. He's just okay. Um, he'll be a good back for someone who needs a big back, but I don't see anything great about him.
0: Yeah, I was telling them I had 12 running backs, you know, with at least a fourth-round grade, and I totally agree with you. The Eagles can find a replacement for Shady McCoy, and I was telling Ant that I feel as though, you know, running back is one of those positions in which you can come in as a rookie and have a a legit impact. Out of those running backs, who do you feel as though will fit the Eagles' scheme?
2: I – There's a lot. I would think Jay Jay Ajayi would be a good fit. Josh Robinson would also be a good fit. The Eagles need running backs that can play not just as a running back. They need guys that can catch the ball in the backfield, block. They need guys that can do a little bit of everything. And a mid- to late-round pick that would do excellent for them uh, would be Dominique Brown out of Louisville. He's real low on a lot of people's boards, and I don't understand why because any time I put on the film, he popped to
0: me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Dominique Brown's an underrated player. Tyler Varga from Yale. What should Scott report on Varga?
2: A lot of people call him a fullback, but I just see a beefier version of um, a beefier, slightly slower version of Sproles. He'll so probably run like a 4-5, or five, and then you know, he's a Good pass blocker. He's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. The only real question that I have with Vargas' game is how well he would do in just a standard man blocking scheme because they ran a lot of zone up at Yale. Okay. But for the Eagles, the Eagles run a lot of inside zone, So I think he'd be fine there. Okay. And you got another question for him? Well, you know,
0: we were just talking about, you know, the run, we was talking about the running backs, and then we was talking about. I was wondering what kind of running back was the Falcons, you know, looking at, you know, after them, you know, letting go of um, uh, what's his name, um, Stephen Jackson. Jackson, Steven Stephen Jackson. Yeah, what
2: what kind of running back would they was looking to add to their team? Atlanta just needs another body to go with monte Freeman. That fits. Like I don't see him going. Todd Gurley in the second round or anything. Unless he slips there, obviously, they would probably take him just because he's a ridiculous talent. But, you know, maybe Todd Gurley in the second. But ideally, they wait till the fifth, sixth round. Again, get like a Tyler Varga, Dominique Brown. A name I think they'll be higher on than most is Stingin' Days out of Georgia Tech. Because Days, even though it's a triple option scheme, Whenever Dave sets the ball the be B-back, it was like running as a standard zone blocking scheme, that wide zone Shanahan scheme running back. So I think he'd do very well.
0: Okay. Now, the Falcons overall, you know, talk about what they need, you know, to improve, what positions they need to improve, whether it's going to be a free agency or the draft. Like, what are the Falcons' biggest needs right now?
2: Uh, just looking at the depth chart right away, you got two defensive ends they need. Just a pair of starters there. No questions asked. They need a free safety to compete with Desmond Southward. They need a pair of linebackers, uh, for outside linebacker. They need a starting tight end and they need a starting left guard. Those are their biggest needs. Okay, now what's your what was your thoughts on
0: you know their hire for head coach? Was...
2: At first, Dan Quinn, I was a little bit skeptical, not going to lie, but the more I listened to him, the more I asked a couple guys I know around the league about him. Everything I've heard about him sounds like the kind of guy I would want to go play for. Just intelligent, preaches about fire, preaches about playing everything you've got, and then the only questions that he need like the only question that I would have is, oh, well, what's he going to do to get these guys better? And they've got 10, 12, 15-point lists of things that he used to do. Like for all of his linemen, he makes them go do MMA training so they learn how to use their hands properly. That's wow. Huge. That's huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, so offense and defense line.
2: Offense. Well, he's going
0: to make his offensive and defensive line do it. Okay. I mean, I think that's definitely huge because, in you know, watching tape on offensive defensive linemen, you know, come out of college or you know even linebackers as far as using their hands and shedding blocks. I mean, a lot of my notes is, you know, such and such doesn't use his hands consistently or doesn't know to use his hands. So, you know, I've talked to Chuck Smith and obviously you uh you know, you know who Chuck Smith is, former defensive end for the Falcons and you know that's something that he preaches heavily um is hand usage as a defensive lineman.
2: Oh for sure. Chuck's huge on that though. And Chuck will always be huge on that. Um yeah, if you don't know how to use your hands he'll gladly teach you. If you come up to him and say, "Hey, Chuck, I want to be a, an NFL pass rusher. Teach me what I need to do." Like he'll he'll come right up. He'll say, "Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, let, let's make sure you've got a great, um, great hands. us make sure you can throw people around."
0: Okay. Yeah, that's definitely true, Scott. Before we let you go, let everybody know where they can follow you at on Twitter. Let them know where they can find your articles at, and let them know where they can listen to your show because he's also the co-host of Pro Football Central Falcons Radio as well.
2: So you can find my uh, my show at either Pro Football Central or you can find it on my YouTube channel, um, which is at Scar988. As for me, you can find me at Scott Karasik on Twitter. Um and then you can find all my writing at Weach Report for now. But I'm finding a couple other places to uh try and also write there. So
0: I mean, that's definitely a good thing. Scott, we want to thank you for coming on. I'm definitely gonna reach out to you again because I'm trying to um put together a panel of, you know, NFL draft guys so we can do some mock drafts and you know, some more shows and stuff like that leading up to the draft. Man, Ant, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and you always welcome. And if you know you need either one of us, you know, for anything Eagles-based basketball, we do it all. Just let us know.
2: Sound good, guys. All right, thanks, Scott. Right. Not
0: a problem. All right, that was Scott Karasic, NFL Draft and Falcons writer for the Bleacher Report. Good interview with him. Great insight. Uh, you know, I was looking at his big board that that he does have, and he got about, uh, I be, over 400 players with draftable grades on his big board. So, um, I definitely, he definitely is doing his thing. He got 430 guys with draftable grades this year from every position, going rank them one player one to 430. So, you get a chance follow him on Twitter. And Scott Karasic. That's S C O T T C A R A S I K. He's definitely, definitely a great follow. All right, back to the NFL, and you know Philadelphia is just going nuts right now. I got people on Twitter and Facebook, you know, asking me to make sense of the Eagles trade. You know, and I and I knew this was going to happen because Shady is a fan favorite, and he had. Six damn good seasons here, and a lot of people don't know who Kiko Alonzo is. But I mean, the, the trade makes sense to me. If I'm, if I'm Rex Ryan, you know, I can understand why he would want Shady McCoy. But I mean, and, I mean, the running back position is a bit old there. C.J. Spiller is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, so they needed a running back there. But Kiko Alonzo... He is coming off of injury, but he's an up-and-coming player in this league. And the Eagles got—they filled the position that they needed. That was one of the positions that they needed to fill outside of cornerback and safety and guard. Inside linebacker was one of those positions, and now the Eagles have Kiko Alonso. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, you look at things and and you and you see. That you can't pay so much attention to social media because what happens is you hear people having an opinion on things that they don't know nothing about. Like you can't you can't say if a guy can play or not play, and you never seen him play. You know you you have no idea. No Bills games came on TV that, that you know what I'm saying for you to watch them, and it's like. I, like I like I don't even pay attention to that. Like I, I just go on what was going on, and then if you watch the Eagles play, the question like one of the big question was what Shady done, and that was a year ago. So it's not going to improve after another year. You know how it would go with running back. So for me, you know, like I said before, I was disappointed in the in the Deshaun Jackson situation. But clearly, to me, this is an upgrade, and I was so relieved. I get, listen. Scott took me both ways, man. He took me both ways. He told me my Nick Foles not that good, and then he told me, and then he told me that you know we gotta still and getting this linebacker for Shady. So you know, I I, I guess I will take it, man. Yeah, I mean, this off season with Chip Kelly in charge. This Eagles offseason, you just don't know what's going to happen. And, I mean, and this quickly over the last couple of days, we've seen the influence of Chip Kelly, guys getting cut, and then this trade being made with Shady McCoy. I mean, the Eagles, it's a possibility that the Eagles, I mean, Macklin, there's no telling whether he's back next year because of him having the capability to hit the free agent market. Bro, it's a chance that the Eagles – may have lost their three best offensive players within a span of two two years. Yeah, I mean, it, it, our – but you got – but the thing about it is, in, in, in and I hate to be, like, the guy justifying everything that Chip Kelly does, but the Sean Jackson had his best year under Chip Kelly. So did the Sean McCoy. And so did Jeremy Macklin. That's not no coincidence to me. And and because that happened, I have a little bit. I have a little bit more faith in Chip Kelly's ability to run an an offense and and to get guys to put guys in a position to be successful. And we, I mean, I you know had the opportunity to follow your lead and break down film last year, watching Mark Sanchez miss guys wide open, you know, watch Shady not hit holes that were there. So the, that part of it, you know, that the offensive part works. The question for me is can he build a defense that's good enough to compete for a championship? That's the question for me. Anything that he does on offensive end, I really don't have no – on the offensive side of the ball, I really don't have no issue with. The only thing I had an issue with was not getting nothing for the show, and not cutting me. It was just it was it was not getting nothing for me. Getting nothing. From yeah, me. I mean, I offense. They somehow, some way, he'll figure it out because coming into the league, with you know the, the the this it was the notion that he had to have a, a quarterback that could run, in order for the offense to flourish. I mean, he's proven Nick Foles. They were able to win, you know, to a certain extent. I definitely agree. I don't think they'll have issues scoring points as long as whoever is playing quarterback doesn't like the Eagles led the league in turnovers last year. That has to change. Whomever's going to play quarterback, point blank period. The Eagles turn the ball over. You can't win. I don't care whomever it is. Part of being a good quarterback is taking care of the football and making the right decisions with it. And, you know, that has to change next year. You know, short yardage situations, the Eagles don't have a heavy package at this point. I'm hoping somebody close to Chip Kelly tell him, look, you can't run. You got to get a heavy package. You got to get some tight ends that can block. You got to get a fullback and block. And inside the five, you can't run shotgun in the NFL with these defensive linemen that are big, strong, and fast and that will shoot gaps if you're going to zone block inside the five-yard line. You can't zone block inside the five-yard line when guys are going to shoot gaps. That's how you don't convert, you know, short-yarded situations inside the five-yard line. The defense has to get to a level in which they're not in the bottom five and passing yards. You know, they're not last in the league and giving up plays of 20-plus yards. Point blank cannot happen because those chunk plays last year, the, mis- the inability to cover and the mistakes in coverage that were made last year by the cornerbacks and safeties cost the Eagles on numerous occasions. The Eagles improved their pass rush last year; they were in the top five in the NFL in sacks after finishing the bottom five the year before. Pass rush wasn't an issue; defensive backs were the issue. They have to get better in those aspects, if they're going to take a step forward. The Cowboys have gotten better. I just read a report that the Giants may be going after Endymion Sioux. If Endymion Sue is going to be playing in the NFC East for the next few years, you best get some inside guys that can block this man or whomever's playing quarterback and running back won't last long. Yeah, I mean, listen – you're gonna to have to do that. I mean and and, and it it's it's we so far we we so far away from what needs to happen. And I'm just looking at I I'm just looking at the 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 landscape of what need, what needs to happen in free agency for me to be comfortable but whatever happens in the draft because that's that's what it comes down to. Like what 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 we think of the Eagles going into the next season has everything to do with the draft and then free agency, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I mean, the improvements, you got to get better during the off season. If you're trying to take steps to being a team that can compete for the Super Bowl, you have to get better. This is the time to get better. Got to better the roster. Got to get better talent. The coaches got to get better. Everybody has to improve, and it all comes down to Chip Kelly because Jeffrey Lurie gave him the the ultimate keys to the car. He gave him the keys point blank. Period. All football decisions go through Chip Kelly. The coaching staff, the players, free agency, all of it. Chip Kelly is the czar of czars. He's in charge of everything. So yeah, Eagle's success over the next three years is going to be based upon does he make the right decisions? And let me, and let me I, I guess, and this is my just my question for you, Big. I mean, you've already said it about Shady McCoy, and you know that once you say, you know, say something when it comes to the sports, I, I just take it as that. With this trade right now, are you Are you okay with this treat? uh, uh, Flat out, are you okay with this treat? I mean, it's pros and cons to both. I mean, if Alonzo wasn't coming off an injury, I would be 100% okay with it. Mm -hmm. The question is, is Kiko Alonzo going to be 100% healthy going into the season? I mean, because you can't have – you already got D'Amico coming off an injury. You can't have Alonzo coming off an injury and he not be ready either, and then you running Brad Jones out there. I mean, because Brad Jones stinks. I mean, shady. uh, With the running back class in this draft, like just knowing where that you can find a running back that can play, you know, anywhere in the draft, I'm I'm okay with it. Like, I'm I'm actually fine with it. I'm I'm okay with it because McCoy's value. Imagine if McCoy came back and played this year and he had a, a year worse than last year. I mean, then next year you just would be cutting him for nothing. The Eagles possibly got a Pro Bowl linebacker for a guy that's, you know, trending downward. So I'm okay with it. And that's and I, and I guess that's the thing that I look at. Like I don't like I I really don't get concerned. And, and and right now with me, I'm smart enough to know when I don't know, and I try to look at the people that I do know. And from what I what what we've been talking about, reading, um, you know, looking at some of the guys that I go to for information, everybody is saying that it's a it's a good deal for the Eagles. And you know, Scott just feel like. You know, we pretty much robbed the uh the uh bill. We're getting we're getting him. Yeah, I mean the the Eagles will be able to replace Shady McCoy. That that won't be an issue. It's tons of running back. Scott said it, I said it, it's running back out out there in his draft. Young young, fresh guys that come into this league that'll be able to be able to play and do well for the Eagles. So I'm not really, you know, worrying about that. I think I'm more so. I'm obviously worried about the um, you know defensive I mean, do you think about it? Shady McCoy was owed twelve million dollars this year against the cap. The Eagles just, they just freed some more cap space, so I, yeah. they got a plan. The question is, is the plan going to work? At this point, we have no clue. We just got to see how it plays out. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what Shady is right now listen. Shady is like to me right now. Shady is that 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 girlfriend that you get that you've been with with a while. That you know you. The beginning was great. The beginning was great. And then because the beginning was great, so great, you like, man. Maybe we could get back to that place. But at heart of hearts, you know you're never gonna get what you got in the beginning no matter what you do. And I think that a lot, and, and you see it all the time, people scared to let go of something just because what it once was and in fear of not having nothing at all. And I just don't think this is that situation because, and, and in life, somebody else always comes. Somebody yeah. else always comes. Nobody breaks up and be body self for the rest of their life. And this is, and I mean. I think this is a shock for the people that did not know how devalued a running back has become in the league. See, we with, you, with, with me having this relationship with you, I've been able to see the transition from running backs, you know, getting picked later and later in the first round to none even getting picked in the first round. When there was a time where a running back was going first, second, or third all the time. So it's a different. I mean, it's a different game. And, and in most situations, even when Shady go to Buffalo, he's not going to be expected to carry the ball all the time. He's not going to be expected to carry the ball all the time. So it's a, it it's just. I think for the it's just the shock of it all that's an issue more than what Shady was or what he wasn't. Because like you said, if you watch enough film. You see the things that he didn't do quite as well as he did them the year before, and I, I just think that it wasn't that he couldn't do them. It's just one of those things. There's the wear and tear. Come on, you this dis- exactly what happens. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And you know, Mike Jordan on Twitter now saying that Shady's arguably the best running back in the league. You take that poll right now. Nobody's saying that Shady is the best running back in the league. No, no. I mean, nobody's saying that right now. He's six years in, and a lot of running backs after six years and all those touches start trending downward, and the film proved last year, regardless of what anybody wants to say, the film proved last year that Shady McCoy is trending downward. Now, a trade like this could motivate a guy, you know, to, to have a big year. We'll see what he does, but The only risk in this is, you know, you got a guy, you traded for a guy that missed all of last year with with a serious injury. If Kiko Lonzo comes back and he's healthy, nobody will be bitching and moaning about um, losing Shady McCoy. I mean, right now it's just a lot of reaction because for the past six years, Eagles fans love Shady McCoy. You know, he had some great years. Last year he had his best year, but – with the running back position, and like you said, in order to get something, you got to give something up. Ruben Amal Jr. should take a page from Chip Kelly's book because Ruben Lamar Jr. didn't get rid of guys while they still had some value, and he held on too long the guys, and that's the reason why the Phillies are slotted to win 68 and a half games this year. Exactly. You can't keep guys forever. You can't. No, I don't care who it is. You know, outside outside of offensive line, punter, kicker, and quarterback, all of those other guys, you can't keep guys a very long time. Like you, I mean, that's just how the game is played. It, 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 you you're not going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to play that long. And that's and that's where it, and that's where we are. And I know people are like, oh no. You know, shady. Now it's over. No, it's not. No, it, no, it, no, it is not. Listen, Adrian Peterson has been the best running back in the league for a couple of years. Minnesota ain't even been to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean. So like the, they, they, they haven't they they haven't came close to to get into a Super Bowl since Brett Favre came there and played that year, and Brett Favre, Brett Favre. Was a quarterback that had impact on that team. And they came close in all of Adrian Peterson years playing for that team outside of the year that they had Brett Favre. Yeah, I mean, just, just look. I mean, look at it. Like the teams with the, you know, Shady was the best running back in the last year. Last year, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. You know, Demarco Murray was the best running back in the league this year. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl. So you know, like. It's a it's it's a team thing. It's a team thing. It was our defense that was the issue to me, not our offense. Bro, I totally agree. Let's get to the um, news run the NFL. Some franchise tags we put on some players yesterday. The Cowboys put the tag on Des Bryant. Um, you know, over the last week or so, we heard the rumors, alleged allegations that. It may have been him on tape. It may have been one of his friends on tape that dragged the girl out of a car into another car. Um, you know, they put the tag on Des Bryant. NFL players really don't like the franchise tag because you on a one-year deal. Yes, you're getting paid the average of the top five players at your position, but if you get seriously injured during that franchise year, you know, that obviously can hurt your chance of getting a long-term deal. And guys in football, you know, are looking for security long-term. This would be his first, you know, chance at a big-time contract. What's your thoughts on, on Dez Bryant? Listen, with, with with the way it works now, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I know at the beginning guys were like, well, I'm happy to get that franchise tag. But, listen, Dez Bryant, could lose. I mean, in, in this situation, he could lose twenty to forty million dollars. I mean, th- let, let's think about it this way. Let's say Romo get hurt and Dez Bryant have a down year, then people are gonna be saying he, he not as good as he once was, and he ain't gonna get nowhere near the money that he got. And and I I would be careful, especially with wide receivers and how some of them are, to watch him. Right now, playing with that franchise tag, you know, because you've seen, you know, at, at times to Tim, get a little emotional, and I think this could be this could be something that that factors into it. Because guess what? The first thing you said was, "Listen, that guy can have a major injury this year." Well, what you think he's going to be doing to protect himself? You know, what is he? Is he going to be going all out all the time to 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 do what he needs to do for the team? That's and and it's 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 legit because this is his first opportunity to actually get a big contract, so uh, listen there's gonna be a lot of ego massaging that's gonna to have to take place in order for the cowboys to get out of this Bryant, what they got out of him got out of him this year in my opinion, yeah I man that Bryant... Like, at, this is his first time in that situation, so we don't know how he's going to react. I mean, I've watched him play from his first game to to his last one, and he's always been on go. And I mean, he's gotten, great, gotten better as a football player, and, I mean, he's one of the top 10 to 15 players in the NFL, point-blank period. I mean, it's no, no debating it. There's nothing that he can't do. Is a wide receiver. And, you know, plenty of Eagles fans, too, and Greg and, you know, guys on Twitter don't – never want to give him his credit. Proof, none of those guys want to give him his credit. Des Bryant is a bad man. He's a bad man. He can't be checked. Point, blank, period. He can't be checked. No, no. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league, period. For the Dallas Cowboys – you know, and I Des Bryant is a guy with pride and you know, hope you know, I don't know what's gonna come about with this whole tape situation. Um, I think Mike Florio w- was irresponsible with what he did um about ten days ago, coming out and saying something about it with not having, you know, le- you know, a legit source behind it. Like you don't mention it unless you've seen the tape yourself. You know what I mean? Like that's one thing I've learned. Like I, I don't start rumors. Like if I don't have a concrete source that told me this, or I haven't seen it or, or heard it with my own two ears and eyes, then I won't say it. The police report came out. In that police report, it didn't say that Des Bryant put his hands on that girl. It said that he came to pick her up after somebody that he knew was the one that put it. You know, put his hands on that girl. For all we, like we don't know you know what happened i mean des bryant and his people may have paid this girl to make the situation go away no charges was pressed but if there's a video out there and on that video it is des bryant he m- may have cost himself a chance at a long term deal with the cowboys yeah i mean he, he may have but you know like and 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 in America today, you know, you 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 guilty until proven innocent, and you know, does and and it's, it's unfair to does and to me, it ain't no like it ain't no surprise that it came out now, you know, it ain't no it ain't no surprise that this is when this with w- Bryant come out, you know, before he becomes a free agent, and then they end up franchise tagging him, you know, it's this it, 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 uh, somebody was doing this to benefit themselves. You know, p ain't that 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 ain't that ain't just come out of nowhere just for right now just as a report because it is it, it's so old and 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 some people definitely benefited from that coming out. No, the Cowboys did. I mean, They're, the cow and the Cowboys is look. These NFL teams know exactly what's going on with who and what because at that point in 2011, Des Bryant was still being watched closely because he still was acting like a, a complete asshole. So he was getting watched closely. You know what I mean? The Cowboys didn't about do this, about this state. And like you said, that information got out purposely, you know, to help, to, to help them out as far as not locking him up, you know, long term. But I will say this. He was upset about it coming out. And – don't be surprised if he take them through the ringer next year after the season and you know, if he may bolt and go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean if I was, listen, if I was him, how could you trust the them right now? Because you know those are the guys that leaked it. You know? How could you tr- how could you trust them? You know, you know those are the guys that leaked this information and it's just a. I mean, it's a bad. It's a bad situation for you to be going into if you know guys are going to treat you like this. In my, in my opinion, if you know guys are going to treat you like this, in, in my opinion, it's just one of those things where you're like, why? Why would I even go through this? Why would I put myself through this? Because I I, I don't forget what they had done, and you know, next year Dez Bryant, you know, Des Ryan got about the bar injury. Of course, he got about four or five years of being a, having the chance to be the very best wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I definitely agree. On to the Chiefs. They franchise tag outside linebacker Justin Houston. Over the last three seasons, 48 games, 48 and a half sacks, arguably, you know, the best pass rusher um, from the outside linebacker, defensive end position. They did franchise him, didn't allow him to get the free agency. Your thoughts? Well, you know, see. At that position, to me, the franchise tag—that's exactly what it was meant for, you know, because you want to see how a guy is going to play, if a guy is going to do the things that he needs to do, because this is the one year that he can kind of go all out. Whereas with with the offensive side of the ball, to me, it's just a little bit di- a little bit different. But you want your defensive players to. Always be hardworking, regardless of the situation, because what's going to happen is you're going next year. If you do pay him, you're not going to pay him for what he's going to do. You're just paying him for what he did this year. So that so so if you're the Chiefs, it, it makes sense, but you just risk him being upset and saying, "I'm just going to go somewhere else." Yeah, I mean he they definitely couldn't. Have you know, afford to let him hit the open market right now. I mean, in the passing league, guys that can legitimately rush the passer on a consistent basis, like guys that will draw a double team, like guys that can just flat out beat one-on-ones, it ain't a lot of them out there. That's why, you know, in the draft, guys that can rush the passer are valued um, so much and even sometimes over, overvalued by scouts or on people boards. Justin Houston not only rushes the passer, but he plays the run as well. And, you know, the combination of him and Tamba Bahali, you know, is one of the best combinations. And then, you know, he did draft D Ford last year. And D Ford was a guy that I felt as though the Eagles should have drafted um, instead of Marcus Smith. They did draft D Ford. Um, so they do have a guy, you know, in the weight. I mean, Tom Bahali, this might, next. This upcoming season may be Tamba Lee's last, and they may play D four at the right outside linebacker, and you know sign Justin Houston long term. But he's definitely a guy that you had to make sure was around for another year because him alone, number fifty for the Kansas City Chiefs, is a difference maker. They haven't had a guy there, you know, as far as a defensive player with that kind of impact since Derek Thomas, rest in peace. And I'm not saying that Houston is Derek Thomas. Derrick Thomas is one of the best to ever do it, Hall of Fame football player. But Buster Houston is a guy that all offenses have to account for, and he makes everybody else on that defense better. Yeah, I mean, he's wreaked havoc since he's been in the NFL. All right, next up, the Giants decided to give the franchise tag on um, Jason Pierre-Paul, who had a bounce back season after the prior two years. You know, dealing with some injuries and you know not being a hundred percent. JPP had a a pretty decent year for them, rushing the passer and also playing a run. So they franchise franchise tag JPP. Yeah, and I, and and I, and I think that was solely because. Uh, you know the two down years that he had, and they wanted to see, you know, what he was gonna be. So, you know that that one was, I, I think that was expected. So that that one, I wasn't really, I wasn't really surprised that, you know, it's just, you know, what kind of player will he be this year? Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, the Broncos had, you know, got some free agents. You know, um, the tight end Thomas. And then also their wide receiver, Demarius Julius Thomas, the tight end, then Demarius Thomas. They decided to franchise tag Demarius Thomas, um, you know, keep him around for another year. And obviously we know what kind of wide receiver he's developed in um, coming out of Georgia Tech offense, which was the option offense. And, you know, last year he had over 100 catches, over 1,600 um, receiving yards. Yeah, I mean – I guess, to me, see it would be a little bit different when you got Peyton Manning. You know, I think you know he do need talent, but I think having a guy like Peyton Manning do make your talent better. So, it, it, like, I I was a little surprised that they they had franchise tag him. Honestly, I mean, he a guy that I mean he's one of the top five to eight wide receivers in the league. I mean you. Peyton Manning says he's coming back. The Broncos are, you know, bringing him back. I don't know if they could afford losing, you know, Decker one year. And not saying that Decker was a great player, but you know, Decker and then, you know, coming back and losing Thomas because I mean they've been. I think the decision for them was either Julius Thomas or Damaris Thomas, and right. you know them getting him with the franchise tag for one year. You know, and, you know, last year they went all in free agency last year. They brought in DeMarcus Ware, T.J. Ward. Like, they, they're they still trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, when you bring in Peyton Manning at this point in his career, the goal is to try to win a Super Bowl. And they got to, at this point, I think it's basically one, one more shot for them, the Denver Broncos in 2015, to try to win a Super Bowl. And then, you know, from there – if John L. is a smart GM, you know when it's time to go a different direction and you know get under the cap and start building through the draft. So I think the Broncos are basically suiting up for one more chance to win a Super Bowl. And I mean, there's no way they could tell the fans that, that we're trying to go after the Super Bowl again if you don't bring back one of the best wide receivers in the league. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that. You know, you gotta you gotta try and keep those guys. You absolutely have to. You know, to try because you you don't know what's going to happen next year, especially, you know, with, Pey- with Peyton Manning. You know, can he stay? I mean, last year to me it was clear that something wasn't right. I just didn't know what it was, you know, and I thought, well, maybe it was Father Tom, but it wasn't. We found out it was an injury. But if Peyton Manning is still healthy, I think, you know, he can still win games at a high level, and I think he gives you your best chance of guys that are playing right now that are not already on teams. Yeah, and then the Cleveland Browns signed Josh McCown, um, former. He's been all over the place. He had success for, you know, about a five, six-game stretch for the Bears in the 2013 season. Last year, the Buccaneers signed him, you know, thought he was going to be that guy. He went one and ten as a starter. The Cleveland Browns drafted a quarterback in the free eight in, in the first round last year. He wasn't prepared during the season. When he got out there and played, it didn't work out, and now he's in rehab. Um, They signed Josh McCown to a contract over $5 million a year, which is very high for backup. He said he expects to be the starter. The Browns are saying similar things. In my opinion, I don't know what the Cleveland Browns think they're getting, but they're getting a quarterback that – Hasn't one that's been a spot starter and been a backup for a reason. Josh McCown isn't a guy that's going to win you football games. Yeah, I, I mean the thing, and, and what I was going to ask you was, <laughs> is he better than Brian Hoyer? I, I mean, no, but I mean, Brian Hoyer wants to wants to roll out because he didn't like how you know he was treated last year. Look, I mean, Brian Hoyer isn't, you know, a top 10 quarterback in this league. I mean, I don't know if it's much, if it's an improvement over Brian Hoyer. Like, I, and I, I, like, like that, and that's, that was my whole thing. Like, well, are you getting better? That's the question. I mean, that's the question. Like, are you getting better? If you're not getting better, then why do it? I mean, Brian Hoyer is an a, a unrestricted free agent, and, you know, what I mean, he's going, you know, test the waters and see where he could go. But the problem is you draft a quarterback in the first round he didn't do well last year, and now his future is uncertain because he's in rehab. They don't know when he's getting out of rehab. They, they don't know if they can trust him. That's why Manziel, outside of just the football aspect, you know, wasn't
1: a guy that you draft in the first round. Yeah, it was
0: football football reasons and it was non-football reasons why you don't take him in the first round. And it's biting the the Browns in the ass right now because you draft a guy in the first round and you don't even know if you can trust him, one, to do the things that you want a first-round quarterback to do as far as just studying and working. He didn't do that stuff last year as a rookie. He he, pussy-footed around last year. Yeah, and that's I mean, it's it's the guys that's making these decisions, you know, it's the guys that's making these decisions. They they, they traded up to get him, and and now they're in a situation where they draft a quarterback again. And 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 I hate to do this, and I know people are like, man, you always talking about Nick Foles, but look at the situation that other teams are in at the quarterback position. Look at look at look at where they are. And we want to trade the house for a guy that we don't even know if he can play or not. We don't even know if he can play or not. And we got a guy that we know can succeed in the NFL, not because of his arm strength, not because he was drafted in the first round, but the simple fact that it's already on film him being successful. Right there, this is the, That's the thing that's so perplexing to me about this whole situation with Nick Foles. Everybody keeps telling me everything that he can't do. But I'm looking around the NFL at other guys that can't do it, and you know what? They don't do it. Nick Foles has already done it. Yeah, look, bro, the book isn't out on Nick Foles yet. Nick Foles had a good year, didn't play so well this year. You know, made some mistakes this year with the football I, in my opinion, if I was the coach, I would be okay with Nick Foles coming back to my quarterback. But the, the two differences in the offense this past year and the prior year was the ability to run the football. The Eagles were number one in the NFL when Nick running the football when Nick Foles threw twenty-seven touchdowns and had two interceptions. The Eagles didn't run the ball well last year. The Eagles have to, and being able to run the football helps a lot of different people out in the football team. It help your quarterback out. It'll help your wide receivers out. The offensive line loves to run block. It'll keep your defense off of the field. And I think the Eagles need to. Chip Kelly needs to. I'm okay with going tempo, but at times you do need to slow it down. If your offense is going three and out, what's the purpose of going tempo? And your defense can't get off the field without, you know, already. I mean, Chip Kelly needs to make some mistakes, but regardless of what people want to say, being able to run the football and stop and being able to stop the run will win you games early in the year, late in the year, and they will help you win championships. The Eagles have to get back to being one of the best run teams in the NFL. Yeah, and I guess, you know, and I and I think that maybe for the fans of the Eagles that, you know, seen what happened, they was hoping that Shady would be that guy. I don't think it's, you know, now with Shady being traded, it won't be Shady, but I still think it's very possible, you know, after hearing y'all talk about the running backs in the draft. And also the fact that, you know, last year when it was time to score, it wasn't Shady that was getting the ball. It was Polk that was getting the ball. You know, and and last year Sproles seemed to have a better feel for running the offense than Shady did at times. And you know, you can't expect Sproles to to take the boatload of the carries because of his actual stature. But the fact remains is he. I mean, he, when when given the opportunity, he ran the ball well. When Pope got the opportunity to run the ball, he ran the ball well. Maybe it's because they didn't think they would run it, but they did. Those are facts right there. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, let's step over to the NBA real quick. Um, I am on ESPN's, you know, site, you know, the NBA, and, you know, just looking at the NBA standings right now, and, you know, it after the All-Star break, teams is 59-60 games in, and, you know, teams are starting to up the level of play. Uh, you know, like in the Eastern Conference, you got, you know, you see, you got one, two, three, four, five, six. You got six teams fighting for the last two spots um, in the Eastern Conference. You're talking about uh, the Heat, Brooklyn Pacers, uh, Hornets, the Celtics, and even the Pistons that just flying in. And it's and it's a disgrace that I'm sitting here talking about teams with 400 you know, winning records, having a chance to get in the playoffs. I mean, and look at the Washington Wizards. The Wizards have, you know, in their last 10 games are 3-7. and seven. Starting out with the Wizards, what is going on with the Wizards? Like, why are they struggling right now? Well, listen, what you're seeing right now with the Wizards is how good Bradley Bill is. Because he was out they started to struggle, and also they don't have the depth to really handle having one of their top players out. So that was the that's been the biggest issue for the Wizards. And see, see, it's one of those things where at this point you got to understand that now you're expected to play well throughout the course of the season. Now you know you're expected to win games where last year they were kind of like they were. Surprising some teams with the way they were playing. And that's the, that's really the biggest difference, the expectations of playing well and surprising people. Okay. Now, look, I, I'm looking at, you know, an article that somebody wrote talking about the Lakers, and he, he's basically saying that the Lakers are tanking, and it's evident. Look, I... And I try not to rip people. Look, I, how, the Lakers ain't tanking; they're just not good. I mean, Kobe Bryant is hurt. Like what, the Lakers weren't good with Kobe Bryant, so how are they evidently like tanking right now? Wouldn't they just playing with what they got? B, I mean, you already know you can't pay attention to that kind of stuff, bro. Like you can't. They're not tanking it. They're not very good. It's it's just that simple. It ain't it. it, it and that it, just like you said, you know, you don't it, it ain't nothing else to it. They they're not a very good team right now and it and a big part of the reason is because like other teams they put their money, they they put they, they 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 put all their eggs in getting a couple free agents that they didn't end up getting and that's why you see the Lakers. You that's the same reason why you see the the um the Knicks where they are. They didn't get they didn't get nobody they came they got Omar Sotomayor. and that's that's the real issue like they put their money into the wrong they put their money into the wrong people and and like we keep talking about there's too many people running teams that don't know what the hell they're doing period you know yeah, you yeah. people talking about bus and who should be running that team and it's to me that's it's really that simple it's the people that they put putting their trust in. Yeah, I mean, and, and Mitch Kupchak had, over the past few years, hasn't done as well as he did in the past. Like, when Jerry West was there running the team, things were done the proper way. It's not a coincidence that Jerry West has been involved with Golden State over the last four years, and Golden State, you know, is 46-12 and 12 right now. Yeah, and the and team before that that he was involved with was um... – Gri you know, so it ain't no like it ain't no it ain't no surprise at that, that thing, but it's i mean like to me it's it's clear that the bus family has some issues that they need to work out in order for them to get this team where it was at one point, but it's not it's it's just not gonna happen you know it's it's a different time, and nobody cares if they play in l a or not, and I think for them right now at this point. And it's a, and their their pick is a protected pick that if it fall outside the top five it go to the sixes right Yup. Yeah. so I mean obviously their fans are hoping that it's somewhere one through five, and it's a high chance that it could happen. The Lakers at this point have to get lucky in the draft and you know get a player with superstar potential because look Kobe is on his way out and they have nothing else there. I mean, the roster is completely dreadful. It's horrible. They, they don't got talent on that team. They don't got talent on that team. And if, that, if you want to know what's wrong with them, that's what's wrong with them. They don't got enough talent. There ain't not, there's nothing more, there's nothing less. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically that simple. Now, looking at the Eastern Conference and, you know, the Bulls have been – Hit heavy with injuries. Derrick Rose is out again. Jimmy Butler is out three to six weeks. Um, the Raptors, who, you know have struggled after the All Star break, you know the Cavs. In my opinion, are trending up. I think out of the last twenty one games, they're eighteen and three. Um, the the Hawks are still playing well at this point right now. If you had to look at the Eastern Conference. If you had to pick two teams, two teams to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Who are your two favorites right now? Well, I mean, they the teams that are, I mean that are playing the best right now, and that's, those two teams are, you know, the Hawks and the Hawks and the Cavs. And I'm and I'm telling people right now, with the way the Eastern Conference is looking right now, the Cavs are looking more and more like favorites to win the the, the NBA championship because of the fact that they're path to winning the championship won't be very difficult, and whichever team come out the West is going to have to be in three wars to get there. It don't matter what teams they play, it's going to be tough, but the East, listen, the Cavs might can walk through that thing unscathed. There's a possibility that the Cavs could get to the championship only losing one or two games the whole time throughout the playoffs and getting a ton of rest for their guys. Yeah, I mean, the East, like, for like, just looking at the teams right now, the Hawks and the Cavs right now, the way they're playing right now, currently right now, are the only two teams that I really got, you know, I really like in the East right now. Like the Bulls, if Rose was healthy, I mean, he lost their two best players. I mean, two of their three best players because, I mean, Gasol, was having a great year as well. Them not possibly not having Jimmy Butler three to six weeks after losing Derrick Rose possibly most likely for the season, that's a hurt piece, but they are a mentally tough team. But without those two guys, you know, they're not going to have enough scoring. The Cavaliers have gotten better, you know, in the, the last their last third of the season. Like they played 61 games in their last 20 games. 21 games, they've been 18-3. LeBron James is fresh. Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. Kevin Love is starting to feel comfortable in his role. You know what I mean? He's starting to – he stopped bitching. He ain't pussyfooting no more, Um, you know, as far as rebounding, hitting the boards. He's just – he's figuring out where to get his shots. And then, you know, Tristan Thompson off of the bench. The Cavaliers right now – you know, having a LeBron James, a Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, and I like the way the Atlanta Hawks are playing, but I think going into the playoffs, in a situation where you got LeBron, a guy with championship experience, best player in the world, and then two legit second and third guys, uh, top 20 players in the league, the Cavaliers, in my opinion, are the favorite to win the East. Like, it, if they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, it would be disappointing in my opinion. It's, it's no way that they're not making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and, and, and it's no way they won't be heavily favored in the finals because, listen, in the Eastern Conference Finals, because they'll, they'll, their top three players are better than any players that the Hawks have. And, listen, you can have team chemistry and all that, but you've got to have talent. Like, people say, well, look at what happened with – San Antonio. Let me tell you something. San Antonio got guys that can play. San Antonio got guys. They, they got guys that they put out on that floor that can play, and that have won at a high level. And that's why they was able to to, to pick apart Miami like they did. San, um, what's the name? They got those kind of guys. Atlanta ain't got those kind of guys on their team. But it's a good regular season team. And I'm and, and, and given the right matchup in that first round, it could be it could be tough. Put them in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the East. Uh, look, I, I mean the Eastern Conference. I mean it's just it's disappointing to look at these teams. I mean look,
2: these.
0: Uh, these two. I mean it's just to look at Brooklyn, Miami. Indiana, Charlotte, Boston, Detroit, and know that they still got a legit chance. Like a team that's going to get in the playoffs that, that that's going to win like 35 games. Yeah, I'll tell you this, though. And, and if it keeps going this way and Atlanta keeps – I mean, and, and Indiana keeps going – they're playing well right now. If Paul George can get enough games in before the playoffs come, it's going to be really tough to get past the Pacers. Because they would have a team of guys that have played in those kind of games, and they know they would be going through Paul George and even getting something from David West in big spots. So, you know that 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 could be that could be an interesting first round matchup. Because of course Indiana hasn't been healthy this whole season, so that 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 could be one of those matchups that you look at and say, listen, this is going to be a little bit tougher than we thought. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, then just looking at the Western Conference, how it's slated right now, one to eight. The, the matchups will be Golden State versus OKC, Memphis, San Antonio, um, Houston, Dallas, and the Portland Clippers. I mean, look, you, I can make a case for Golden State, Memphis, Portland, the Clippers, OKC. Like, for real, for real, if any of those eight teams won the West, I would not—I honestly wouldn't be surprised. No, not at all, not at all. Like it's—it's it, really about who's playing well at that point. Like that's what it really come down to—to to the teams in the West. Like any of those teams, any of those teams that you that you mentioned, you know, they—they they have they—they they strengths and their weaknesses, you know. And I—and the thing about it is. I think one of the more vulnerable teams is the team at the very top and Golden to state because they rely so much on jump shooting to win. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing about Golden State. As well as they are playing right now, you know, averaging 110 a game, only giving up a 100, and 24-2 at home, you know, 12 games over on the road. You go into the playoffs in that situation and, Charles, and and people kill Charles Barkley for saying it, but if you're a team that's gonna depend on guys making jump shots and that's your main way of getting it done, if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have a bad shooting series, all it takes all it takes four bad shooting nights. It really don't take it it really don't take four bad shooting nights. It only takes one. Because if you have one, then the pressure is that there's so much more pressure on every shot after that that you take. That's the thing that I keep trying to explain to people. people. And people come with and that's exactly what they say. They say, listen, it only take a couple bad games. No, it don't. As a shooter, it only take you one bad game. Because if, if you only take that one bad game and you don't shoot it that well, and the next game, every shot that you take, It's going to be that much more pressure on you, and it's magnified by the fact that those games are on primetime TV and it's the playoffs. So there is all kind of variables in it when you shoot a lot of jump shots that are not in it when you get things going to the basket. And I hear a lot of people saying, no, the Dallas Mavericks in 2011, they weren't shooting jump shots. No, they didn't. Dirk Dirk was the one guy in pick and pop. That could get the ball on the elbow and make them double. And the only reason why the Mavericks won the championship was because LeBron paid, played bad or didn't play at all. I don't know what what you call it, but that's the only reason why the Mavericks won the championship. Because if LeBron would have been LeBron, they wouldn't have won. He, LeBron just ain't give him much. Period. Yeah. Real quick, before we talk about the Phillies in the show, the um, Denver Nuggets fired Brian Shaw. Uh, your thoughts on his short tenure there? Man, that, that that situation was a bad. I mean, it was a bad situation. You know, you you, you took over for a, a winning coach. You know, the 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 atmosphere was a little messed up. And 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 David West said it best. You know, he said you ain't really got no vets on that team. You know, and it's a it's a situation where you're gonna fail if you ain't got no vet. You don't got no veteran leadership, and they didn't have no veteran leadership, and that's why that's why it ended up going the way that it went. That's exactly why yeah, the, the way they went. It wasn't the coach; it was the it was the guys that you had on your team. You didn't. That wasn't a team composed of professionals, and that's what you need first on a basketball team. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he got a bad rap. Um, you had a bunch of young guys, a young bunch of young punks who don't know sugar from shit. Um, and you got a guy who played in the era in one of the best areas of basketball, arguably the best era of basketball, who's played who's played winning basketball, played, played for the Celtics, played for the Lakers, played for Pat Riley for the Heat, who knows basketball. You know, that's not, that's not questioned. But he went into an environment with a bunch of young kids who thought they knew everything, and they quit on him, man. They quit on him, and it's a flat-out disgrace. Yeah, I mean those guys, I mean that that's just what happened. And then, you know, you hear their allegations of the 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 after they break in the huddle talking about some uh one, two, three, six weeks as if to say we can't wait until the season is over in six weeks, you know. It's just it was just, I mean I I mean I feel bad for Brian Shaw, especially for, you know, sitting back and actually waiting his turn and that's the opportunity that he gets, you know, but you know, you, you 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 try to be patient and you wait for the right opportunity. It just that just wasn't it in my in, in my opinion. It just wasn't the right opportunity for him. And I mean, I guess it's you know it's evident in what what actually took place. All
2: right,
0: real quick, thirty forty seconds. Philly season. Give me one thing you're looking forward to with the Phillies. Oh well I've seen it today. Ryan Howard, you know, he, I mean he looked he looked good. You know, I'm I'm going full for him and see see if he does well. And that's I mean he played well today, so I was happy for that. Yeah, I definitely seeing him go the first base hit, um, actually see the ball and hit it, a pitch that was in his little house and going the other way with it, it was very enlightening and then coming back to second at bat and getting the RBI, you know, putting the ball in play. For Ryan Howard, I, it wasn't about of swing and missing today, and I know it's early, but for me, after seeing what he was the past three seasons um, in those 300 games over the past three seasons today was pretty good. I don't like the fact that Chase Uffey is injured, and, I mean, you think about it, his legs have been shot the past couple years. Amaro did want to get rid of him, and now that's with the Phillies have to deal with But, people, the Ant Green is Brandon Pemberton, Sports Trap Radio for Scott Car- um, Carassi. You know, him joining us tonight. We want to thank him. And all the listeners out there, I, we appreciate your support. And the podcast of the show will be up soon. We'll catch you all Friday for Sports Trap TV starting at 8 p.m. Thank you.